Life is tough, but so are you. You've been to hell and back through unimaginable challenges. You've loved and lost and always come out stronger. It hasn't always been easy, but you've gotten through it. Now you can enjoy the life you fought for, one of peace and love and, oh no, you're dead. Yes, yes, very sad, but this story isn't about you. It never was. You're just the wife or the girlfriend of someone who really matters. You're the woman in the refrigerator. I'm Harper Hunt, and this is Cursed Knowledge. Everybody, like I said before, I'm Harper Hunt, and I'm Ben Hunt, and we're so excited to welcome you to our relaunch of Cursed Knowledge, where we're going to be talking about the women in refrigerator trope. So, Ben, this was something that I actually introduced you to a little while ago, because although you've definitely seen examples of it, you didn't know the exact terminology. I did not know the terminology, but once you told me some of the examples. And this is so much like cursed knowledge, where our motto is, thanks, I hate it. Tell the audience what this trope is, because... So so basically, the idea of women in refrigerators, it's any time a character, specifically a female character, is murdered or attacked, depowered, hurt or brutalized in some way, so that a male character can have a story. Her pain, her suffering is never about them. It is never about their recovery, how they get through it. It's never their story. It's about someone else's story. One of the examples I like to use for this is the daughter in Taken. Mm -hmm. It's not her story about dealing with being kidnapped and how she's going to escape using the skills her crazy military father has taught her. No, no, no. It's Liam Neeson's story about how he's going to save his daughter. A man with a very particular set of skills. Skills that make him a nightmare for people like you. I will say, some of the, you know, when you first mentioned this to me, you framed it in terms of some comic books that I knew really well. And that, for me, is where it really clicked Mm -hmm. me, this notion of the woman in the refrigerator as a plot device for the superhero. Well, yeah, so... The trope actually got its start just looking at comic books. So the term was founded by Gail Simone, who is an amazing comic book author. Mm. You should definitely check her out. Mm. But she started to notice that just within the realm of comic books, how many female characters were being depowered or killed or otherwise attacked compared to their male counterparts. And oftentimes this was to spur a reaction from the male hero. But this always kind of went one step further than just the damsel in distress. And the the trope name actually comes from a Green Lantern comic book where I think it was Kyle Rayner shows up and he finds that his girlfriend has been killed and literally stuffed in the refrigerator by some random villain. All that we're supposed to care about is how how Kyle is feeling right now. How does he feel to seeing his girlfriend stuffed in the refrigerator? 
did she fight back? How how does anybody else react? No, it's how does he feel about this? Well, the example I remember so well is from Spider-Man with Gwen Stacy. I remember very well when Gwen Stacy died. And it was the Green Goblin, and he threw her off a bridge. Spider-Man leapt to save her, shot out his webbing, which in violation of all laws of physics was now moving faster than... Gravity. But he was able to snag her before she hits the water. But in classic comic book style, you knew it wasn't ending well for Gwen because I think you call it onomatopoeia. Mm -hmm. And I've used this in an Epsilon Theory note before. There was just in kind of faint lettering, snicked, S-N-I-K-T. But when you mention this trope of woman in a refrigerator, Mm -hmm. I immediately thought about Gwen Stacy because her death was then the motivating factor for Peter Parker for 20 or so episodes, <laughs> 24 and the like. Now, but let me ask you, Harper, because there are deaths that occur all the time in comics and movies as a motivating factor. I think you're right about it usually being a woman, but even with Spider-Man, I think about Uncle Ben that's one of the classic hero's journey tropes. You know, the mentor yep. figure has to die. The problem is that's kind of an established story trope. The mentor has to die. But when you think about how many times a male figure is killed in that way versus female figures, the numbers are just incomparable. You'll have maybe a handful of, of guys and then just I can sit here and just list hundreds of women. There are entire websites dedicated to keeping track through all different mediums of how many times you take a character and you reduce them to a thing to be mourned. You stuff them in a fridge and say, oh no, so sad. I hadn't thought about the second trope you mentioned, Mm -hmm. the mentor must die. Whether it's Obi-Wan Kenobi or Uncle Ben, that that is a separate trope. You're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. And it has a very different plot driving aspect to it than just oh, the girlfriend gets murdered. Basically, when you go to, like, the mentor figure must die, that has a a story component where it is necessary. You need to kind of take the training wheels off. The hero needs to stand on their own, realize how dangerous Darth Vader is, and, and figure out what being a Jedi means to them. The girlfriend doesn't have to die. It's just there as a motivating factor. You just want to get hero and villain into conflict. You want to start the plot. And everyone's decided for some reason that the best way to start this plot is to kill the girlfriend, kill the wife. If you've ever seen any movie where, listen, if you're ever, if you're married and you start having really whimsical moments on the beach where you're in a white linen dress or you and your husband like with sunlight dappled are lying in bed together and it's so right. sweet and it's so romantic. The are over your head. I, yeah. Your time you're is done. numbered. Yeah. Your day is, you are dead. <laughs> there is nothing to be done. You are just flashback material for the audience to think about. There's the, 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 Underneath the sheets, the gauzy yes. white light. Whenever that happens, it's, we you're saw on, you're dead. Uh, we saw Dungeons and Dragons 
recently enough. Great movie. Chris Pine's wife. I don't know her name. That is Chris Pine's wife. She is not a character. She is long dead. She exists solely in flashbacks to give him motivation to go do something. Vanessa in Deadpool Deadpool. She is killed immediately just to make Deadpool be depressed and start the whole thing. They bring her back to life in the end credit sequence because they're like, okay, we just needed you dead to start this plot. they, They didn't have to kill her, but they did. What about women who are killed at the end of a movie? So, again, I'm old enough to remember mm-hmm. the movie Seven with Brad Pitt, Gwyneth Paltrow as his wife. And it's not woman in a refrigerator. It's woman's head in a box in the desert. What's in the box? Yeah, what's, what's in the, in the box? box? Yeah. Is is that part of this trope or is, or is that That's different? a bit more tangential. It's kind of like... Can men be involved in this trope as well? Because technically, you're not. That's not starting a plot. Right. That's not the kickoff point. Another example I would say is like Gladiator. Like the wife and son have to die. You know, husband to a murdered wife, father to a murdered son. They don't have names. They don't have personalities. They don't do anything except die. Whereas I think Gwyneth Paltrow, because kind of like the story is already going. You know, yeah. they're already after. Was it Kevin Spacey? They're already after him. Like. It's kind of more just to prove a point. But at the same time, yeah, you know, it's not about her. She was never the target of this guy. There wasn't a personal vendetta or reason why he went after her other than it would make Brad Pitt lose it. And that's kind of the other thing that happens with these women in refrigerator stories is that it's never about the woman. Oftentimes they have no connection whatsoever with the person who hurts them. They are hurt or killed solely to motivate a man in their life. My favorite example of this is Barbara Gordon in The Killing Joke. The comic book. The comic book. This is one of the typical examples of this because so Barbara Gordon was Batgirl. And throughout this story, the Joker is trying to prove that you only need one bad day to turn someone from a regular civilian into someone as deranged as the Joker is. And he sets his sights on Commissioner Gordon, who happens to be Barbara Gordon's father. At one point, the Joker shows up uh, at the Gordon's house, and he shoots Barbara Gordon, severing her spine. She loses all ability to walk. She can never be Batgirl again. And for the rest of the comic book issue, we're not sure if she's going to live. The Joker has, for all intents and purposes, just killed Batgirl, who is a a major character. She's a superhero. She does all these things. She's got all of these connections with people. But the story's not about her. The Joker didn't target her because she's Batgirl. He targeted her to get to her father. The story doesn't then focus on her pain and her feelings and her recovery. It focuses on her father's pain and her father's recovery. You see more about how it affects Batman than it does the person who was actually just shot in the spine. So to me, that's a great example of women in refrigerator because you don't necessarily have to die, but you were hurt, you were shoved to the side, and now the spotlight is on all of the men going, how could they do that to her? I have to get justice for her. Do you think we've become, because I think I have, inured or kind of deadened to women, specifically oh, yeah. women, girlfriends and wives 
getting yeah you raped, expect murdered, it abducted whatever. you yes i think that people you see patterns in stories these stories repeat themselves we're talking about the hero's journey kind of the, the cyclical nature of all of these stories and People aren't dumb. They're going to figure out this wife is being really nice and really sweet and we're only 15 minutes in. Well, something's got to happen. And I think that's what people come to expect. We kind of expect that the wife or girlfriend is going to be taken or killed or hurt. And you start to not care. Not only does the audience not care, but the people writing the story don't care. They don't need to have a name, really. You can just call them like pet names the whole time. I've noticed that a lot of writers no longer put a lot of care and attention into writing those characters because they're just placeholders. But let me ask you this. Use the word pet name. I'm thinking about John Wick. Yep. Because I cared a lot when his dog got killed. Don't you think that's a bit of a problem that you don't care about seeing hundreds of women getting killed on screen, but as soon as somebody kills a dog, steals a car, suddenly... The most relatable action hero ever. What really motivates the plot and what got me, Mm -hmm. because I'm definitely not used to this, is the dog dog dying. For some reason, women don't care. The dog, that is the line that cannot be crossed. (laughs) And absolutely, I think that that's actually a great way to point out to people that you don't have to kill the wife and the girlfriend every time. There are a ton of reasons why someone might a rampage of revenge after someone. Like, there are dozens of things that would instigate that. This guy literally kills his dog, steals his car, and suddenly we have four movies of Keanu Reeves going full gun-fu after everybody all around the world, and it's incredible, and I love it dearly. But notice that we didn't have to start with the wife being killed. You know, It wasn't enough. Theon Greyjoy didn't come in and kill the wife because they knew that audiences wouldn't care. They've seen it a million times. You know, the dead wife basically waving around death flags like, I'm going to die in two scenes. Yeah, and it it would be going too far to kill a child. Yeah. I I think that is still a line that's going too far. You want to stimulate the audience. You want them on the hero's side. You want them to feel like, yeah, yeah. So we've moved on to pets. Children, I think, are still pretty off limits. Like you didn't kill Liam Neeson's daughter. Right. I think you can only kidnap her. I think it might depend on the movie. Um, But I think that, yeah, typically killing kids kind of just goes to an extra dark place that for a lot of people takes out some of that escapism of going to the movies. I think this whole issue is kind of interesting to me because I wonder to what degree we've become desensitized to violence and violent ends. You certainly see how we've become desensitized to a lot of the language Mm -hmm. that we see in just used around politics or society. We've really become desensitized to a lot. At the same time, I find that we're also more sensitive. You know, there are more words that are designed to get a rise out of us. I think what happens is it's shocking the first time you do it. The first time you kill off the wife and your hero goes on this grand spree to get justice for her. It's new. It's exciting. It's got people talking about on the edge of their seats. You've gotten a reaction. By the 35th time... 
people don't care as much. They've just seen it too many times. It's something that they can expect. So you look for something else. You look for another relation that you can put in danger. You look for the cute little puppy that you can put in danger. You look for these new buzzwords that will catch people's attention. But the problem is there's just so much content being put out there Yeah. that as soon as someone latches on to a cool new idea, there are going to be 20 other copycats within a week. And suddenly that is no longer a cool new idea. Suddenly it is now a very typical expected trope. Uh, Gwen Stacy dying was this huge, incredible thing when it happened. It was. I lived it. I was like 12 years old. You know, the girlfriend can be in danger, but the girlfriend never died. No, no. Especially not with Spider-Man basically breaking her neck. That was that was a lot. But now it's something that we almost kind of expect or want to see in these in these superhero shows. It doesn't have that same emotional punch. Darth Vader being Luke's father is incredible the first time you watch it. But once everybody else starts realizing that having that sort of familial relationship across hero-villain divides is a really good way to get the audience. You know, I wonder, Harper, because we think about, you know, there's all this, as you, and you use this word, content. Mm-hmm. All these streaming shows, all, the, you know, Apple's got a million, Disney's got half a million. It's just, uh, it, there's too much content, mm-hmm. to use your word, to watch. And yet we do watch it. We do consume it. Certainly, I do my part. Oh, we do our part, I promise you. (laughs) I wonder, though, if there are any new stories to tell or new ways to tell old stories. There must be, but because when we talk about it as content, not Mm -hmm. as art, but as content, it means we do have to recycle these tropes Mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And we just have this content becomes this massive amount of derivative content. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that people, I think what happens is a lot of people are so focused in just putting something out as quickly as possible that you start to cut corners. The other thing about having the woman in the refrigerator trope is that usually, and like I said before, you're not putting a lot of effort into making this person an actual character that we care about. The audience is supposed to care that she's dead because this other character cares that she's dead. And my hope is just that eventually people will see just how bored audiences are. I think that ultimately it comes back to money and people Mm -hmm. are going to realize audiences are bored of seeing the same story. They're not going to be excited by it and they're not going to pay to watch it. So you have to find ways to not necessarily reinvent the formula, but tweak it. And I think that's what John Wick did really, really well, because on its surface, it's a very, very basic story. It's basically taken again, retired, uber competent fighter, loses something, rampage of revenge to either get it back or to get justice for it. The two things that were different were that It wasn't a wife or a girlfriend this time. It was a dog. And that was what shocked audiences. That's all people could talk about was, did you hear about this John Wick movie? They kill his dog. That was all the marketing I heard about when that movie first came out. 
And then also, you know, the action's incredible and that definitely helped out. But I think that when people are so used to being fed apples, if you give them an orange, suddenly it's this incredible new thing. They've never seen it before. This is the game changer. Well, Harper, I just think it's so good that we're back with cursed knowledge. Thanks, I hate it. Because now I have to look at all of these motivating episodes of content in a different way. Thanks, Harper. Try to watch any blockbuster the same way now. Good luck. Thank you so much. I'm Harper Hunt. I'm Ben Hunt. And if you want to tell us some of your favorite bits of cursed knowledge, check out EpsilonTheory.com and join us on the forums. (laughs) 